So without further ado, hello and welcome to the latest in the Balderton podcast series. Today I am joined by Mr. Alex Wood, who is the editor and founder of The Memo, previously edited Tech City News, also worked at Bloomberg TV, BBC World Service, and you're a visiting lecturer at City uh, on the subject of... Of journalism. Of journalism. Well, what else? Uh, what else? Uh, I guess before this starts, we should disclose that we have um, worked together before. We have, <laughs> both, we have. Both at The Memo and, and Tech City News on on some fintech videos, which I'm telling you just to, you know, just so you're aware of that and also so you you Google them and watch them. Um, but what I'll be talking to Mr. Wood about today is you guys as entrepreneurs, our listeners, uh, how do you approach journalists? What should you do? What shouldn't you do? And at the end of the day, how do you get covered? Everyone wants a bit of coverage, but uh, what should you avoid and what should you do? So to start that subject matter, Mr. Alex Wood, how does it actually work behind the scenes? Many entrepreneurs don't actually know how a newsroom works, how the day is shaped almost. So could you give us a, a little a little glimpse glimpse of that? Yeah, it's a, it's a very mystical world. And I think maybe the first thing to make clear is it, is it can be very different depending on where you are. So as you've mentioned, I've worked in radio, I've worked in television, I've worked in online, and I've worked in print magazines. And I can tell you it's a bit like driving a car in different gears. It's a completely different world. So uh, for example, at the memo where I am now, uh, we have a very unusual setup in that our mornings are ridiculously busy. Um, we run out all of the news. We only publish in the morning. And we down tools at lunchtime ready for our daily memo newsletter, which goes out at lunchtime UK time. Then the rest of the afternoon is spent doing feature writing, interviewing, meeting founders, all of that good stuff. But to contrast it, look at places like Bloomberg Television, where I was previously, and they've got to fill a number of hours in the morning. They've got TV shows, they've got deadlines. And again, with Bloomberg, the afternoons are, are relatively free in Europe because the US is taking over. But a print magazine, they can be working on deadlines. They're looking at six months ahead. It's a completely different world. And I suppose uh, to add to that, if you if you want to be in City AM, they're writing all through the day to go to night. print in the evening, yeah. you know, to go to print in the evening and nighttime. But if you're going for evening standard, you turn that on its head. Absolutely. So I guess it is the piece of advice there that it's different for every publication. As near as damn it, every publication has a different rule and you as an entrepreneur should know who you're pitching. Absolutely. I appreciate it's not easy for founders to kind of navigate through that world, but it's so important to know about the kind of journalist and the publication you're talking to. And... How do you make that first approach? I mean, everyone thinks of email first because it's how we all chat to each other, but does it actually work? I mean, yourself as a, as a journalist and your team, you probably have major inbox traffic. How do you cut through that? We do, absolutely. I mean, every journalist is different, and I appreciate that's not a helpful thing to tell a lot of people, but I'd say that, generally speaking, 99% of journalists that I know will still use email as the primary place to receive most contact. Um, I obviously uh, love face-to-face -face as well. I'm at events all the time, and I love actually meeting people and building my network that way. But I'd say one really important thing about email is don't be disappointed if you don't get anything back, because inevitably people are getting so much flow like uh, Bloomberg's newsroom when I was there it was crazy like on average maybe 100 emails uh, an hour going through a group email address but don't despair because just you sending that one email it's going to go in the back of someone's mind and they're going to file it mentally away and they're going to think okay right we need to speak to someone from a fintech founder right we need that person let's have a look through the email so it's often the best place just to get yourself in there initially and uh, many entrepreneurs know, I suppose, there's different kinds of media. There's 
tech specialist media and there's also you know national international titles if you're an entrepreneur should you aim for the tech media or should you be ambitious and go for the national international titles too i think it's really easy to have the temptation to say god i want to be on the front page of the sunday times business section which don't we all but actually the thing that i say to a lot of founders is it all boils down to intent if you're not clear about what you're trying to achieve from that publicity then that's the fundamental thing you've got to think about before we even look at which publication so by that I mean, for example, are you looking to raise profile ahead of investment or are you actually looking to acquire users, i.e. customers? If that's the case, maybe consumer media makes a lot of sense. So actually mapping out mentally why you're doing this, even before the when are you doing it, is really important. And what's good? I mean, you as a journalist, what is a good why? What is a good reason for an entrepreneur to be reaching out to you? Because I suppose, I mean, we're not looking for golden rules, but what are some things you really respond to and maybe some things that you, you don't so much? Well, coming back to my, my last point about intent, that that's the one thing that I really need to see in the first line of your email, even the subject as well. Because journalists are, are fairly straightforward people, even though it seems like a kind of a mystical world and it, and it is a very closed world. Actually, just reaching out to a journalist and saying, look, I'm a founder of X business. We're going to be launching a in one month's time. We've already got some investors, but actually we just want to raise our profile because we want to get our first batch of early adopter customers. That kind of top line in an email gets me really excited because I'm like, right, I got you. I know what you're about. That's easy. Um, and then following on from that, it's just things like being clear about whether it's about you, the founder, or whether it's about the business as well. And just actually just giving someone a list of what you want would actually really get things started. So clarity is a big Absolutely. deal. Do you find a lot of entrepreneurs don't do that and it's a bit bit waffly, maybe. Yeah, and it, it, sounds, okay. it sounds awfully pretentious, and forgive me for saying it, but like the number of people who reach out to people like me and a lot of other journalists that I know and say, I just want to like go for a coffee with you. And it's like, I, I would love to too, but there are not enough hours in the day. And if you tell me exactly what you want now, I'm going to probably file it across. And bearing in mind as well, it all comes down to planning. So I mentioned print magazines, they're going to be looking sometimes six months ahead, sometimes further. A lot of journalists, so for example, with the memo, we have a features list for the whole year, but we look at everything thematically month on month. So if you reach out to me and you say, look, I'm a fashion startup and I'm going to be doing this and this and this, I'm going to be like, okay, so London Fashion Week's twice a year. Okay, I'm going to mentally put them in that box for that time. And just, again, being clear that it's not always going to be right now, but making sure that you're on the radar of that journalist so that when they are covering that topic is always going to be a good thing. And when you, you know, you've made that first approach and maybe there's something like, to pick the example you've used, you're a fashion tech or, you know, fashion fashion business and London Fashion Week is fast approaching. How do you, how is it best to nudge yourself back into the journalist mind? We've mentioned emails, but does social media work? Do you respond to stuff on Twitter and, and, and things like that? So I'm going to have to be really honest here and say that I'm becoming dreadfully old-fashioned in my increasingly old age. And uh, I'm not a great fan of social media when it comes to pitching. Now, if you've got something really exciting to share, like an interesting picture or a video or something like that, great. But it's, it's you know what it's like. It's hard having a conversation on Twitter. You know, inevitably you have to take it onto another platform just to fill the extra space. Um, I, I think... Again, with email, just actually giving people as much time as possible because we work on deadlines, but also emailing, you know, at 10 o'clock at night saying we're launching tomorrow and the embargo, so the, the, the time that you're allowed to publish this is midnight, so I've got two hours. I'm sat there at home, you know, planning my nice evening. It's not going to work out. So actually, as much as possible, and I appreciate from an investor perspective, that can be hard because a lot of investors say, you know, the press has to come out at this time and you only close the round and then suddenly you want the publicity. But actually giving a nudge, like some of the best founders I speak to who will just say, look, off the record and use that off the record. It's a good thing to use. 
or background is the other term. Look, I'm going to be doing this in two weeks. Something's going to be happening. I just want to let you know so it's on your radar because then when I have my weekly planning meeting, okay, right, we know this is happening. We're going to make sure we make space for it. That is a very good point. And I've had, I've spoken to entrepreneurs a few times in my day job who are quite uh, timid about using the off the record or the kind of background call because they think, well, what if I say too much? Or if the journalist just goes ahead and writes my story two weeks ahead of time? How tantalizing, how teasing can they be when they give you this background information? And what is the likelihood that a journalist is going to blow your cover? I think it's, in, it's highly unlikely. Now, I know there are some bad guys out there, but I'd say 99.9% of all the journalists out there in this industry recognize there's a long game here. Because if they burn one startup contact or one investor contact, that's game over. You know, you're not going to get the kind of connections, you're not going to get the first look at a story. And fundamentally, you should try to kind of change your the way you feel about journalists, because we're all part of an ecosystem. We're all part of this family and we're all fundamentally working towards the same goal, which is to make London and make the greater European startup scene successful and work. And so it is not in our interest in any way to kind of ruin your startup's trajectory by publishing something early. And and to be honest, it's all about getting the right story. It's not about just getting one line before everyone else is. You know, it's, it's just not worth it. Okay, so journalists should... Uh, journalists. Entrepreneurs should be a bit more unafraid of giving you that little nudge early on, sending an email maybe a week ahead of time so you can get your, your shop in order. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I, I don't need to know that your, fund, you, your fundraising is falling apart, um, <laughs> but it is helpful to know that we are fundraising right now, we're speaking to investors, just want to let you know that that's the trajectory we're on and you should know about that. Terrific. So say all, the, all of those building blocks that we've spoken about are in place. The entrepreneur has done their homework. They know how your publication works. They've also made the approach via email and probably not Twitter for you <laughs> ahead of time. And also maybe they've given you a nudge uh, a, week, a, a week before the actual news breaks. Um, then what is, is, is there a better medium to be published on? Of course, you run an online publication that does a lot of video, but many entrepreneurs are trying to weigh up the benefits between being interviewed, either on television or in print magazines or online. Are there differences? What are the key differences? And, and, and should an entrepreneur pick a favorite? I think, again, it comes back to intent and what you're trying to get out there. So, for example, if you're talking about a chunky fundraise, I would completely understand where you go to somewhere like TechCrunch or to the Financial Times. But I think people really overlook broadcast. Um, I, I think it's actually an absolutely fabulous way of getting yourself out there and really positioning yourself as a thought leader, because in television, in radio, often it's about bigger topics, it's about trends, it's about themes. And actually, I don't know, if you're working in the fintech space and there's some big news happening, I don't know, within the markets or it's the end of the financial year, that's a really nice way of just dipping your toe into the, the world of the media and getting your name out there so that you start to build those relationships with those journalists. So when you've got your big news, they know who you are, you've got some background. And who doesn't love a nice TV show reel? <laughs> I like a good TV show reel. <laughs> But um, one, one thing that I, I've told people before, and it's almost a, a slightly depressing conversation to have, is when you're talking to the really big titles, and we're, as you mentioned, you know, the, the BBCs, Bloombergs, etc. of this world, you need, as an entrepreneur, to realise that you're not the news mm. in the vast majority, 99.9 recurring percent of the times, you as a startup are not the news. Yeah. However, you can be an expert. Absolutely. And that's what you're saying there, that you can position yourself as a thought leader and be 
the you know blockchain expert who appears on the BBC, for example. And if you want to have a lot of fun as well, there's nothing that people love in broadcast more than a contrarian view. So if you're hearing a big story out there, I don't know, let's say uh, venture capital's all puff. Um, it's not. <laughs> he says in the, in the offices of policy. <laughs> I don't know, let, you know, there's going to be a huge correction in venture capital at the moment. There's a lot of talk in the Valley at this at the moment. And you pitch into a TV newsroom and say, actually, yeah, I completely agree. It's all going to go absolutely terrible in the US. But actually, I think in Europe, things are looking really good. That's my view, dot, dot, dot. I'd be surprised if many TV producers wouldn't pick up on that and think this is going to be a really interesting guy because one thing that I really learned from working at Bloomberg is this idea that does a story move a market? And so, yes, the news has happened, but how can you move that agenda on? And that's what they're really looking for from thought leaders. So if you find that your opinion is mainly uh, agreeing with the mainstream and what everyone else is saying, probably not going to get your coverage because you uh, agree, I agree, you agree with 99% of people. But it's it in your area of expertise, do you go against the grain? Do you get, go against the flow? And if so, that's what you should sell. Just say something really interesting and not, don't be afraid to say it, as long as you can back it up. But I think it's such a great way of getting your face on that screen with a nice title bar with your company there and you can take it to investors, take it to customers. It's just a validation. So you're an entrepreneur and it's all gone very well and you've sent the right email to uh, the producer at Bloomberg or wherever it is and you're on telly. Do you have any advice for when you're sitting in that chair? What should you do? Well, we, we have a, a, a terrible, terrible expression in television, which I'm going to share with you now, um, which I want everyone listening to this, remember this when you go on TV, which is that one should always orgasm first. <laughs> it's not advice you commonly get. No. Uh, and and what, it, what it refers to, and it applies to radio as much as TV, is this idea that, and this, this may rock your world, but TV and radio, people aren't listening. We tend to be doing other stuff. You know, we've got our we've eyes on our smartphones or, you know, we're, we're pottering about in the kitchen with the radio on. And so what you really need to do is to make sure you've got a punchy, really strong line at the very top of your interview. We use the term orgasm first when we're building packages. And if you listen to any or watch any TV package, it will always be the first line will be there to grab you by the balls, get your attention. That's exactly what you want to do. Alex Wood says, grab them by the balls. <laughs> that is the main takeaway from this particular podcast, I'm sure. Fantastic advice, fantastic advice. Alex, I'd also like to get your opinion on a, a couple other things that I hear loads from, um, from entrepreneurs and from founders of companies as they're growing. Uh, and one is, we've, you know, we've just raised some money, usually at Baldwin, we've just raised some money, and um, we're looking to hire our first PR agency. We've not done that before. Who should we use? What should we do? Et cetera, et cetera. In your opinion, when should a startup start using a PR agency, how useful are they? And um, any other tips around that, I suppose? Because it's a big call. It usually costs a bit of money and it, and it changes how their business is perceived a lot of the time. I think it's a really good question. And there's not a straightforward answer. Um, as you mentioned, PR is not cheap. And I think when you're in an early stage business, that's something that could really eat into the bottom line of what you're trying to do. Uh, again, it comes down to intent. Um, if you are going through that investment process, I think a PR is going to be a wonderful thing. And I imagine most investors you'll work with will want to make sure that the message is clear and everything is out there. Um, but again, you want to make sure that you're working with the right PR because some PRs are going to talk to the consumer media more. And if that's what you need to be able to get those customers, that's a really good route. But one thing I say from my perspective, 
I think it's really important about relationships. Now, obviously, PRs are gatekeepers to those relationships and they have them and they will open doors for you, which is fantastic. But if early on in your journey, you can get those relationships and start building them with journalists, that is going to be so, so powerful. So some of the founders that I've spoken to at my last place at Tech City News, I knew them, you know, when there was just one guy with a laptop in Shoreditch and that journey we've grown together and it is one of the for me as a journalist it's one of the best things to be able to grow with them understand some of the challenges the problems and that's where i start to slot them in interesting places so if you do instruct a pr make sure that you still keep those relationships working as well it's so so important and also if you're a very early stage founder listening to this go and make them don't be afraid of doing it early even as you say when you're one guy or girl with a laptop uh, yeah because you know you're a, you're a guy with a dream there and you've got your your vision and if you can communicate that vision to a journalist they are going to buy into it and they're going to be with you for that vision and however great a pr is you're always the best person at talking about your business is, is what i found uh, and prs can be a fantastic conduit or sort of avenue to connect you with people but you as a founder are usually the uh, the most passionate and, and a clearest communicator of your vision. Uh, you know, some advice from me for a change. Isn't that fun? Um, another thing that I get asked a lot, your opinion on this would also probably be very useful to the, the guys and girls at home, media training. A lot of people wonder whether they should do it, what the benefits are, when they should do it, if they do it, and what kind of opportunities for. Do you need it for telly more than you need it for being interviewed for a broadsheet, et cetera, et cetera? What's your, what's your views there? I think in the early stages, fundamentally, if you can't nail your elevator pitch at that stage, you're going to have problems with the business anyway. So <laughs> communication is really key anyway. Um, I'd say further down the line, um, media training is not a bad thing to do. But I'd also say that the trend and the way the media is going, look at places like Vice and like BuzzFeed, everyone's looking for authenticity. And so you can be over media trade, you can be Ed Miliband, and that is a nightmare. And that is not what you want. You need to be yourself. Um, one thing I would say that is worthwhile <laughs> at, at media training is actually what you wear on TV. So a lot of people Very make, make mistakes on that. Um, so stick to nice pastel shades and pinks and blues. Do not wear black or white. Otherwise, your skin will look hor horrendous. You'll look washed out. Because um, it's extremes of color and bad exactly, light. Exactly, exactly. Kind of um, so you're going to be under really strong light. And if I can share a personal tip, um, sadly, you know, the media is under hard times these days and increasingly you don't get makeup anymore. So... If you're going to be on TV a lot, consider maybe getting your own. Get your own makeup. Yes. Learn what kind of uh, pancake number you I, I've, are. I've learned say. a lot about my pancake number, and you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's been a journey for me. What um, is it? I don't know the shade, uh, but I, I know that basically I rock up to Boots with the old pack and say I need this one <laughs> and look very confused and they look confused at me back. I only asked because I learned that mine was something like 003 being a pale person that I, I am. I think we're on the other end of the spectrum I from think each we might other. Be. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing about TV that... I think is a good piece of advice is don't wear stripes because you might strobe. Oh yeah, you don't want to be strobing. That's not a good look for anyone concerned. <laughs> so you've worn the right shirt or, you know, whatever you wish to wear and it's, it's not extremes, it's not black or white and nor is it black or white stripes. What's the process like in, in TV? What should you expect on your first interview? How does it work? Uh, who will you talk to? So in most cases, what's going to happen is you'll be booked by someone called a guest producer and they'll be your kind of relationship manager through the whole thing. And one thing I recommend a lot of startups to think about and push really hard for this because some places don't do it is for a pre-interview. And what that means is the guest producer is going to speak to you on the phone and they're just literally going to run through what are the things you're happy to talk about, what's exciting, 
exciting? What can't you talk about? And that's a really good opportunity for you to be really relaxed and just think about what you're going to be doing. But also what happens is from that interview, it goes off into the um, the producer team. And that's what actually generates the nice title bars, you know, the little sound bites you're talking about because they know what you're going to talk about. TV is totally orchestrated. And then also that list will then go to the anchor and the anchor will have a list of all the things to ask you. And what you'll find is it just feels like you're doing the same thing again. And it's really nice and relaxed. You'll, you'll go on to set usually during the ad break and you'll and it'll go really, really fast. You're probably going to be on there for about two and a half minutes, three minutes max. And it'll be really quick, but it'll be really familiar. So push for a pre-interview. Yeah, because no one, no one likes to be surprised. Like, there's nothing worse than batting off a question and saying to someone, I, I don't have the answer to that at all. It's, it's, it's terrifying. presenters and producers don't like that either, I suppose. Yep. Bad telly. Uh, that happened to me on one one major television network not that long ago where unfortunately the anchor um, was, was sick at short notice and they then decided to do it remotely from Hong Kong on a satellite link, which meant oh. I couldn't see the anchor, which is <laughs> not fun, um, staring into a black wall. And then the anchor clearly did not have the notes. And so she didn't know who I was. I didn't know who she was. And we were just both kind of muddying our way through it. And it was hideous. And you don't want that. Classic. Yeah. One more quick... I sort of wanted to end on this is, is just... Um, Talking about bit about the memo. You're mm. relatively new, almost one year old. Almost one year, yeah. Almost one year old uh, publication. Another thing with the memo that many people may not realise is that you've turned founder. Yes. You're now an entrepreneur and an editor and a journalist and all all of those good things. Has that changed your perception of these, you know, these tech founders that have been knocking on your inbox for the last three or four years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think it's um, it's an unusual position to be in. There aren't many journalists that are founders themselves. And so now I can relate to and sympathize with founders even more because, you know, I've gone through the hell of opening a business bank account. It is not okay how not fun it is, that whole process. Um, all these kind of things. And I think, I like to think it's made me a better journalist because I can actually empathize and understand what those things are. And also, it's turntables for me and now I go on TV as a thought leader in tech all the time and so I'm, it's completely turned around for me so it's it's a brave new world a brave new world and what's next for this brave new world anything on the horizon with a memo we should be keeping our eyes out for so we're coming up to a year old uh, and it's all about expansion for us at the moment we're actually raising our second round of funding oh, and wow. hopefully expanding into the US and also to Asia so it's going to be a big year for us we're going to grow the whole mission grow the team get bigger better and hopefully do more stories with the great people listening to this fantastic so well let's end on that if there's anyone listening to this that reads the memo who thinks blimey i'd like to chat to that alex fella what should they do? So you can email me, alex.wood at thememo.com. But if you do, I please beg you, please also see CC in editorial at thememo.com. And a lot of other media outlets do this. They have a group email address because it means that it won't just go to me, it'll go to eight other people. And it means your message is definitely going to go through. Makes a load of sense. Wonderful stuff. Thank you very much for making the time. And uh, I'm sure we'll chat soon. <laughs>